Today is Monday, October 2nd, 2023, and you're listening to the Ask a Christian podcast. I'm your host, Nate. Today, we start off by talking a little bit about racism and how white people should bear responsibility for uh, slavery 200 years ago, um, I guess. At least that's what the questioner would like to happen, and that's just silly. Sorry. Um, the reason white people today should not feel guilty for racism in the past is because they had nothing to do with owning slaves. That's just the answer. Um, anyway, so there, there is, there's just no reason, biblically speaking, why anyone has guilt. It's the exact opposite. Uh, we are free. We are forgiven in Christ. Everyone, and if you want to get biblical, anyone in, everyone is a slave spiritually to something. You're a slave to sin and Satan, or you're a slave to Jesus. So, no one is free ultimately. You are bound and mastered by something or someone. I choose Jesus. That's what we need to be focused on. So, um, there is real live slavery, death, murder, rape going on today. Let's put aside the grievances of the past that, by the way, plenty of us had nothing to do with ancestrally or any other reason. Um, my family didn't even get here until slavery was already over. So there you go. Um, and the people who did have slaves in the past, um, they're not responsible for what their dead grandpa's grandpa's grandpa grandpa did. Um, and I don't know why it needs to be brought up about race for a bunch of white devils when also there were plenty of black people who owned slaves themselves. I don't know why we have to keep having these conversations but as long as people keep asking them, I guess we'll keep answering them. Anyway, then we move on to women's suffrage and how feminism is rooted in the occult. So that's fine. Let's just step on everyone's toes. Uh, but it's not wrong. And, uh, you know, destroying God, destroying the patriarchal view of things, the biblical worldview um, is, is like a subversive attempt. And they're doing it in the name of equality and, you know, women's liberation, all this stuff. But there is a deeper, seedier underbelly of that. Um, then we talk about child discipline and what is biblically accurate, permissible, um, even secularly acceptable. Um, and do the two converge? Do they contradict? So we talk about that for a while. So enjoy this podcast. It's a little spicy. And share these links. Check out the Ask a Christian book on Amazon. Check out the Ask a Christian store. Grab a t-shirt. Support this podcast having civil discussions about tough topics and sharing the gospel of Jesus with people on the internet. Until next time, take care. African-American or Africans and colonists, right? And my question is, since, um, I guess I want to say, like, why doesn't the, um, the white Americans who are Christians, like, now that they've come to the faith, they've come to the knowledge of God, they come to the knowledge of his heart, and they come to a complete understanding of his righteousness. How come that how come that they don't uh how come they don't have a burden to kind of you know be responsible for uh, the years of slavery that the African-Americans 
have gone through. It's, it's kind of almost like just because we're in the faith doesn't mean that you know slavery hasn't affected one culture tremendously, psychologically, yeah. emotionally, and well, financially. So well, it's taken quite a while to get the question out, but I think I heard one in there, and it's why don't white Americans feel responsible for slavery? Because I didn't have no, anything no, to do no, with no. it. No, 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 that's well, not well, what well, I Hang, hang on, I'm, I'm going to shut this down pretty quick, because we, we talked in depth. We talked for like hours about this, like last week. You weren't here, but we had the same conversation. But the short answer is, yeah, we're in Christ, no free, no slave, no Greek, no Gentile. If I had owned slaves, I would probably feel responsible and I'd try to make restitution for that. Um, for myself, can't speak for all the white devils, but for myself, you know, I didn't have slaves. None of my ancestors had slaves. We weren't here during the times of slavery. My ancestors came over um, actually from the potato famine in Ireland uh, where they were oppressed and persecuted. So, you know, my, my white lineage missed the entire slaves. Uh, they were more close to slaves than owning them. Um, for the people that did own, the ancestors did own slaves, I can't speak for them, and I actually don't know any. I, I don't know any people that had slave owners in their ancestry. Um, but if I were to try to put on that hat for a minute, I would think, you know, they should um, they should feel, you know, not great that they have that in their history, but they also shouldn't feel uh, responsible to try to make recompense or do anything like that for it because they didn't have anything to do with it. So much like the Bible says, you know, people aren't held accountable for the, the sins of the fathers and the fathers and the fathers iniquity going back through third and fourth generations. Um, so from a biblical answer, that's it. The time is now. Like if people want to like do something now, it should be for the kingdom of heaven. So whatever race, color or creed someone has, if that person is in Christ, they should work together to usher in the kingdom of heaven and let the past be the past, especially since none of the people had anything to do with the past. Uh, that's that's really just the answer. Well, well, without without due respect, mate, uh, for you, uh, I can understand that for you. Like if everything you said was 100 percent factual about the lineage of your family, I can understand that for you. But it does kind of come off a little insensitive uh, saying that um, the Caucasian Christian uh, culturally doesn't face the same things as the African-American Christian. And this just coming from a cultural standpoint, right? So it's kind of hard for, well, I'm going to say challenging because it's clearly it's not impossible. All things are possible through Christ and we have great fellowship together in Christ. But for the majority or for the most part, it's kind of hard to really focus on the kingdom if there's no accountability or no responsibility taken for the fact that majority of America's major companies were built out the African-American descendants and who were slaves at the time. So that is a very big deal when you go to a place and when you can see uh, your brother uh, in Christ, who's Caucasian, can go to their nice home. They can go to their uh, nice schools. They can have a bunch of conveniences. And then 
you know, you have your African-American brother in Christ who have to go back to the projects or who have to go uh, back to a place where it's not so convenient, it's not so comfortable, it's not so, uh, it's not so decent in living. And, and it's kind of, it kind of gives off an insensitivity to it because if you say, Hey, well, we're, you know, that's old and, you know, we don't have to, you know, we don't have to dwell on the past. Well, if we're going to be honest, man, there are some experiences that you experienced in your past that weren't good, but they kind of affect you and how you move today. Uh, I don't know if you heard of traumas, but traumas are things that take time to heal. Well, I so, get that, but hang on, because well, well, you're talking a lot, and I also want to get to Samuel, who's been patiently waiting too, but just to address this real quick, and, uh, quick, and, and then we'll see what Samuel has to say, and then we can keep talking about it if there's nothing else. But insensitive, yeah, because I mean, that, uh, just just how I am. Like, no one's con- no one's uh, confused me with being super emotional. Um, so, y- you know, I would say matter-of-factly. Like, you know, I call it how I see it, so if I'm not overly sensitive or emotional, um, you know, I'm, I'm okay with that. Um, I, I just want to report the news as it is. Um, but some of the things you said, um, color and race is irrelevant in a lot of this stuff. Like what you say, yeah, it has happened, but for what reasons? So first of all, you talked about the companies and how companies, which companies, by the way, um, are built on these things. And secondly, a lot of these companies you have a problem with, um, <laughs> they are bending over backwards. I'm just assuming some of the companies maybe you're mentioning because it's more and more today. They're bending over backwards to appease every minority they can think of. Um, you know, the black people would be the smallest amount. Like people under the LGBT umbrella, like people like basically if it's not Christian, um, <clears throat> these companies that perhaps you're having a problem with that they were instituted in colonialism or whatever, they are killing themselves uh, to appease everyone. So unless it's Christian, they're probably trying to make up for it in some some way. So you're probably getting what you want. Also, <clears throat> um, as far as I'm concerned, because, again, not a company owner, so I don't have anything to do with this except where my consumer dollars do- go. So for some reason, we actually may be on the same side because a lot of the companies aforementioned, I'm not supporting them because they are so anti-God and anti-Bible in their messages are prom- they're promoting, you know, like satanic themes, propping up concert uh, um, advocates with like, you know, these like demons on stage and stuff like that. So as a result, my money is not going to these companies. So I'm probably actually doing for different reasons what you would like me to be doing anyways. Um, so I guess there's a nice overlap if it's convenient. Um, let's see. The other thing I think you may have mentioned. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. Th- our government is going backwards. Um, so th- I think they're overcorrecting to a fault because I think these, oh, what was it? It was like the National Labor Institute or statistics came out. And it's like out of all new people hired for like like prominent, like I forget what the threshold was, but it was basically for good jobs. Um, it was like white people were in the extreme minority. It's like 15% or something for all all jobs above like a certain threshold that would be like good and like sought after jobs. So white people were at 15%. So, uh, you know, there's some overcorrecting. And we were talking last night to another white devil and he was trying to get a business loan um, or not a business loan, uh, 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 a rental agreement. And he could not get a rental agreement because he didn't meet all the qualifications but he was saying he uh, he was getting beat out by someone that had uh, Native American blood 
which although not African, you know, there are still incentives for that. But this case is just like so in my face from last night that it's worth mentioning um, because they had a, a degree of Native American blood um, where he was going to be charged like nine grand for rent for this building to start a company in um, this Native American person. Uh, the rent was going to be five thousand dollars a month and it was going to be completely covered by the government for the first five years. So this person, by not being white, gets a reduced rent. And of that reduced rent, it is 100% paid for by funding from the government for five years. So the time for inequality and equity and all this stuff is gone. We all need to um, you know, just let the past go because actively, apparently white people are being screwed over. And if you want to say it's not like they're directly trying to um, screw white people over, then it's by helping everyone who's not white out that indirectly white people are getting the short end of the stick. So on one hand, you could say, well, justice is being done. Recompense is being made. On the other hand, you could say two wrongs don't make a right and everyone should be actually equal. But since uh, none of this is probably going to happen, um, and I, white, white people make up like what, like 2% of the world's population anyway? Like we're a pretty big minority. Um, anyway, so all things considered, I would say, let past grievances go and don't make current things worse. Um, not you, but like, you know, the government and the companies and the powers that be, just everyone across the board. So if you're not a Christian, that's your problem. Get that one solved. And if you are a Christian, you really have no reason to, uh, you know, forgiveness is a thing, right? Um, you know, Jesus talks about that. So whatever the reason is, whatever backbiting, whatever persecution, whatever's been done, whatever's actively going on right now that I may not be thrilled about, uh, you know, forgive and move on and look forward. Um, so, you know, people want to talk about slavery back in the day. There's sex slavery right now. There's child trafficking right now. People want to talk about rape and murder back in the day. There's rape and murder right now. So let's get together and actually do stuff right now. Um, anyways, that's that's what I would say. I think that addresses everything. We could continue talking about this if you want, but I wanted to see if Samuel has anything because they also raised their hand right around the same time you did. Uh, Samuel, are you there? Are you speaking? Samuel in three, two. Uh, no, 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 not really. Uh, Cause you know, I've, I have loud background noise. So I, I like to, I'll just listen. Okay. Uh, let me just run through the people waiting real fast. Uh, Chris, you are next, it says. How's your morning going? I guess you oh, can say something new or talk about Sun's Sun's topic or whatever, if uh, you like. Yeah, no, I mean, or, son, or say something uh, else. All I would say is uh, Bodie Bauckham is my favorite preacher, <clears throat> Son. If you've never heard Bodie Bauckham, I would seek him out. It's spelled B-O-D-D-I-E, Bodie Bauckham, B-A-U-C-H. Yeah, I know who Bodie is. Yeah, what do you think of Bodie? Is he awesome or what? Uh, he has some very unorthodox point of views, but overall, I mean, he makes some very valuable, he makes some very valuable points. Yeah, cool. Yeah, Vody is, Vody's great. Um, we, I have some friends that are personally friendly with Vody, and, um, he taught at Ligonier this year, and it was awesome. We got to see him. We were in the third row back. Got to see him uh, preach. And, uh, my son wants to go to ACU, so he's he's uh, he's actually ramping that up. He's 13, so he's starting to to make moves to uh, 
start learning a lot more about ACU. So that's kind of neat. Uh, Joanna, what's up, Joanna? How's your morning going? If you're speaking. Thank you. Um, I validate what everyone's thinking, feeling today. Personally, uh, just so happy when I see this room open. It's like, oh, I'm going to listen to my brothers and sisters this morning. Oh, I'm glad you're here. Uh, CEO, welcome. Uh, good to see you. Morning. Um, Nate, so with your commentary, I mostly agree with you. I just do think we have to differentiate white men from white women because white women are making out pretty good in general. And a lot of the policy makers who are kind of doing things that are not favoring white males are white women. So I, I think that has to be put on the table as well. Yeah, Nate, I ain't gonna lie, Nate. I kind of also do believe that far as American, I know your people are Ireland, that's beautiful, but far as American, there has to be some level of consideration and when it in which it comes to forgiveness concerning, I mean, concerning slavery and the responsibility. I mean, let's just be honest, Nate. It's hard to forgive people who, uh, and I'm not saying that it's impossible, but it's hard to forgive people who, uh, don't seem to feel like they did anything wrong. So, you know, I, I'm not saying that. Yeah, that, well, that, that's well, right. There's a good point. So all the people you would need to forgive for slavery, they've been dead for hundreds of years. So legitimately, everyone alive in America today, and unless they themselves actually own slaves, which I mean, you know, I, I'm not aware of that. Let's just say there's one or two somewhere. Oh, there's lots of but, people in America but, that own slaves, Nate. Remember, there's more slaves today than there ever has been in history. So there okay. are lots Whoa. of Americans that own slaves. Okay, well, fair well, point. I, I mean, and, wait, 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 and, 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 wait, 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 wait. Fair point, Chris. Yes, the sex slavery and stuff like that. Um, I mean, like the what we're what Sun brought up. You know, the the transatlantic slave trade from the 1800s. Like that's what we're talking about. So as far as you know, white masters that own black slaves in America. Let's just say there's like three somewhere hiding under a mountain. But it seems like the implication, Sun, is it's hard to forgive people. Um, it almost sounded like you were you were gonna get to for what they did, but that's the point. They didn't. So even if their ancestors 200 years ago owned slaves, these people have nothing to repent for. They have nothing to apologize for because they had nothing to do with it. So if, what, if someone needs to go dig up their grand dead grandpappies, pappies, 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 and I don't know, cleanse the bones or burn them or something, that's the grievance, not their descendant. I get it. I get that, Nate. But however, Nate, it's in, in my in my line of logic, uh, respectfully, it's not as much as what they did. It's more so about how they thought, because I believe I believe uh, ultimately uh, an idea that they had uh, really resulted in what they did. And I understand that uh, around that time, slavery was a more so of a worldly, like more so of a secular worldview, far as it was kind of the norm, you know, in a sense. But now that we're united, uh, it wasn't necessarily about what they did ultimately, but I was, I, I, I'm just going to be honest. I believe that it came with the mindset of superiority over yeah. one culture and which resulted in, uh, multiple deaths, uh, wrongful deaths, uh, not to mention, uh, uh, 
hundreds and thousands of African-Americans that are innocently incarcerated and beautifully murdered live on TV. And okay. not to well, mention the... Uh, well, well, hang on, hang on. Let's stop there because you made some points. So you just talked about African-Americans who are... Uh, you got to mute, son. Oh, yeah, I'm sorry. Right. Yeah, yeah I'm, I'm trying to find them. Yeah. Okay. Find it quick. It's loud. You just talked about black people incarcerated. That cannot be a white guy thing. Look at Kamala Harris. She rejoiced about how many black dudes she put in jail, incarcerated, for having a little bit of weed, while she also admitted she snoped, uh, smoked weed with Snoop. So, you know, to try to get white people <laughs> to bear the brunt for that, no. It's equal opportunity. No one is immune from being persecuted in this day and age, and no, no group or race is immune from doing the persecuted. It's just like, you know, the first person to ever get the idea of slavery was a king of a country in West Africa. A black king was the first one to sell his subjects to slavery. So no race has ever been squeaky queen. Uh, no race has ever been immune uh, from being persecuted or being the persecutors. Um, but then, I mean, lastly, consider what the Bible has to say, right? Like, look at Paul. He's like, uh, one, there's no Jew, Gentile, male, female, slave, free, anything like that, Jew, Greek. Um, and on the other, he says, look, if you're if you do have slaves, not black, not white, very much brown people. He's talking to them. He says, if you have slaves, uh, you know, treat them well, because you also are a slave to Christ. You have a master. So we are all slaves of Christ, unless your you know, father is the devil. But if we're Christians, Christ is our slave master, if someone wants to put it in those terms. So you can be a slave to sin or you can be a slave to Christ. I choose Christ. And he says, you know, if you're a slave, work hard unto God because everything is unto God. Work hard as if you're working to God and, you know, treat everyone kindly. So I mean, that, that's what the Bible has to say. But hang on, since Chris is here, I wanted to get his take on something else because there's really just nowhere else to go with that, right? Because so many can times... Can I say one small last thing in support of your point, Nate, and I'll be done? Uh, sure. Okay, so, uh, son, you know, George W. Bush actually apologized for slavery and the role of the U.S. government during his presidential term. And I think that when you hold on to old grievances, it hurts the group of people holding on to the grievances more than anyone else. We, we can advance the cause of our community without blaming and asking for handouts from the other side. So I think you can do both simultaneously. Yeah, asking for handouts is a little bit kind of... Well, let's just leave that there real quick because I want to move on. I wanted to get Chris's thoughts. Uh, Chris, tell me everything you know about the devil. Okay, there's a reason for that. Um, I, 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 wanted, I, I wanted to... I wanted to get in. I was listening over the weekend because I know third wave feminism is near and dear to your heart. <laughs> so I was listening to people. It is. I do read third wave feminist academic papers for fun. So, but yeah, but so I was listening to this. <laughs> I was listening to this uh, podcast and there is this, uh, this this guy who has a guest and his guest was really hitting this hard about how everything is not as it seems. And people won't pull back the curtain on Oz to see what's really going on. So it's like, um, up front, they were getting into like, you know, how feminism is basically rooted in occultism. So when people think, you know, on the surface, like the shiny part is, oh, let's be equal. Let's have women vote. Let's have women's suffrage, like all this type of stuff. Like, let's get women in the workplace. And then you think, well, one layer is these greedy people don't really care about women's rights and why women should be in the workplace, but it's a money grab. And now they have double the tax base. So that's why. But then that's even not really why. So it's like <clears throat> another layer deeper that gets into occultism 
And they were making the case that many of these like main prominent people in the women's suffrage movement were like spirit mediums and had involvement doing like seances and rituals. And they were like really steeped in occultism. And that goes all the way back to like, you know, Marxism and like, you know, critical theory and all this crap. And like back to like ancient Babylon is basically where they traced it back to. Um, and it was all the ultimate point. So after you strip back the layer of, you know, these people don't really care about women and their freedom. They just use that as the guys. And then when people think they pull back a layer and they're like, oh, it's greed. So they have more of a tax base. Well, no. So it's like by the time you keep flipping these layers back and back and back and back at the heart of feminism um, and, and it goes through. So like the layer would be, you know, greed for people who are evil and stupid. But then it goes back to occultism. And then why? And it goes back to Marxism, which goes back to the nuclear family and destroying it. But then why? And it, so anyways, by the time it gets back to like ancient Babylon, it's like because the ultimate patriarch is God. So the people who are proponents of this don't really give a crap about women. Their goal is to dismiss and diminish God. So if they can get rid of the ultimate, ultimate patriarch by substituting it for like a matriarchal thing, and then they'll like use feminism and kind of like women's rights and women's lib and all this other stuff and feminism, then they can sell it as, look, let's be equal. Let's all be this. And women can do everything and I can do. But by the time they're done, the end result is the family's destroyed. There's no husbands in the home. Um, to son's point, they may be locked up, incarcerated, or dead. Um, and you've got a bunch of you know women ruling things, so they will see it as progress. But what's really happened is the God of the Bible has been like you know displaced and destroyed. And they went through a couple. I'm almost done. A couple like quotes by really famous proprietors of this feminism and women's suffrage, I think, movement um, back in the day. That the less known quotes were. Um, as long as Christianity and the Christian God remains like in the culture and in the minds of people, we can't meet our goals because there's too much of a patriarchy, uh, patriarchal familiar, famil familia sense, like the family, God, country, family, that type thing, that our goals can't be realized as long as Christianity is in the way. And it's funny, like maybe because it was culture, they didn't mention Islam or any of these other things that would presumably propose a much bigger problem. So maybe it was just Christianity and the culture in which they were operating in. But anyway, so uh, yes, what do you think about all of that? So uh, as my hobby is reading a lot of third wave feminists, I know where the argument comes from. I've seen it before. Um, I would say that it's a mixed bag. I think that some feminists are very interested in the occult. I don't think all feminism has its root in the occult. However, that being and and then tracing things back to Babylon, I don't think I can take it that far. But like you know, Betty Friedan is not you know going back to you know Babylonian texts and getting her ideas from there. You know, like she didn't write the feminine mystique from the Code of Hammurabi or anything like that. So I, I just you know I I think that's getting a bit far. But in terms of <clears throat> yeah, I mean there there is definitely a resurgence of paganism. Um, especially Gnostic paganism um, in the West. And uh, I think that it's pretty clear when you start looking at some of these sources where that stuff is coming from. Um, uh, oh my goodness, what's his name? Uh, Peter, that's uh, escaping me. There's a, there's a guy who actually studies this, and uh, his book is called Gnostic America. And it's a fascinating read. Um, so I would highly recommend that book, Gnostic America. Anyone else have a thought on that before I have another 
thing. Oh, by the way, the PTR is the snake I had in my uh, lanai yesterday that I had to deal with. That was fun. Ooh, what'd you do? Did you shoot it? That's what my wife said. I'm like, bro, that's why you shouldn't have a gun. Um, no, you got to be responsible gun owners. Anyways, so, uh, no, it's a black yeah. racer, so I got it on the edge of my broom, and uh, it, like, curled around it, so I just walked it through uh, out the back patio and let it go. <laughs> and then it promptly slithered into my neighbor's, my, my neighbor's yard. I'm like, oh, into oops. the alligator pond? Did it go into the alligator <laughs> pond to be then eaten by an alligator? Uh, no, it went straight to my neighbor's yard. <laughs> I'm like, oh wow. But I mean, I didn't really have a chance. Like once it once it got out of my um once it got out of my door, the screen door, like I, I didn't really have a chance. Like it saw grass and it just kind of jumped down and you know fell off and slithered away. Like I, I didn't really have a chance to walk it anywhere else. So sorry, neighbor. <laughs> Taking your snake for a walk. Um, black racers are harmless. Yeah, but man, they are like it was like rattling its tail like a rattler. But uh, I mean, you know, it had no rattles, so it just was kind of funny. But I'm like, oh, you're trying to be intimidating. But man, those things are quick, and I mean, they were pretty nasty temperament as far as snakes go. Yeah, I mean, they, they eat rats and stuff that you want to hang on to because they keep the rodent population down. Okay, so are you familiar with uh, Jonathan Haidt? Yes, love me some Jonathan Height. Height, dude is a baller. <clears throat> so I, <laughs> yeah, I was like listening to something else that mentioned him, and I thought, you know, that's interesting, right? Because like so, so much of like the goal of, of what we do here, or what I want the goal to be, is, I mean, if they're not going to convert on the spot, which you know, short of God, it's probably not going to happen. But is to give them something to think about. I think you say like a pebble in their shoe, or some, you said someone says that. So it's just to give them a pause, right? So it's not like, ha ha, I got you, I won. Like that's stupid, that's childish. Like no one, no one's winning a debate trophy in the stage. So it's more like to give them a thought about something they haven't previously thought about. So like you know the divinity school experiment. Do you? That was a question. Okay, Sorry, fine. I'm, I'm unlocking my door. Uh, <clears throat> no, I do not know that one. Well, it's basically one of the things he proposes where it's like, you know, he, uh, he'll he find someone that doesn't believe in a god or, or something like that, like an atheist, and, and he's like, you don't believe in a god? And they're like, no. He's like, okay, fine. <clears throat> if you really don't believe in a god, uh, here's $10, right? So it's, so it's really not a lot of money. So he's like, here's $10. Um, you, have, you can have the $10, but I need you to admit that I can have your signing away your soul for eternity. And go ahead and make it in writing. Kind of like a devil's advocate type thing. So it's like, here, here's a paper saying you're signing away your eternal soul and just sign that and you're selling your eternal soul for $10. And it's like, ultimately, they'll usually, you know, think through it and be like, okay, fine. I, I don't believe this anyway. I'll take your $10. But it's like, there's usually, like almost certainly going to be a quick pause. Even, and it's just kind of like to shock the system. Like, oh, wait. Like, no, I don't, I don't believe this stuff, but... but man eternal soul like gee i should really be sure and if i was like ten dollars man that's that's i would hate to be wrong for 10 bucks um so anyway it's like even though ultimately most people will go ahead and sign it some won't because there's like well i don't believe it but i don't want to tempt fate but it's just to be like boom pebbling your shoe it's like oh oh well do i really do i need to rethink this do i have a soul is there a god ten dollars man so it's just, it's just that little pause that i appreciated Anyway, what are your thoughts on that, if you have any? Does anyone ever negotiate for $20? Not sure. 
Chris, it looks like you were about to unmute. I'm just, uh, I'm in a transition phase right now. I really can't talk. I'll, I'll, I'll hitch up in a minute. Um, I'm not going to judge, but you know, would you like me to send you some websites for some wigs or dresses or just kidding? Yeah, that'd be great. Thanks. Well, when you get back, I'd love to hear your thoughts. Jen, what's up, Jen? Or wait, hang on. Uh, CEO. Yeah, you've, you've been weighing in on other people's conversations. Did you actually have a topic or anything on your own? Uh, no, I'm uh, just following along okay. today. Jen, what's up? I just wanted to say, was it not Iso sending his blessing for a soup of lentils? Well, it's not his eternal soul, but yes, he, he sold like his inheritance for a, a sum of soup. And, uh, you know, that, that was, that kind of gives me pause sometimes because I think, well, he makes a good point. Like whether, you know, how much he was really dying or how much he was being a drama queen saying he was going to die. I don't know. But I mean, he's like, well, look, if I could have all my inheritance from my family, um, what good is that if I die? So, so you know, the reasoning he gave I actually think is pretty sound. Unless, you know, they're like, no, you're not going to die. You would have been fine. Well, then he's just hyping it up and being a, being a drama queen. But I mean, if he's like, well, you know, I'm, I'm, lo I, I'm giving away all my blessing because what good are as riches and inheritance if I die? So, yes, I need food to live. Because life without an inheritance is better than death with inheritance, because there is no inheritance with death. Um, so I often have questions in my own about that. Um, but again, I, I mean, you know, what's the chances you're going to die if you don't get one bowl of soup? So I think there's evidence that he was just hyping it up and was making a very foolish thing when he could have went hungry and denied himself and got the blessing. It was more of like a give me this instant gratification right now um, at the expense of his entire inheritance. Uh, but yes, that is a story, Jen. But it's not talking about his eternal soul. Uh, okay, I just wanted also to pressure on the words and uh, the meaning of words. You have nowadays lots of people like saying, oh, I'm a Satanist. And they say, oh, I'm not a real Satanist. But then like it's it's like acting in destroying Christianity and the family values. Like somebody in the chat, I think it was saying that all oh, this feminism you were mentioning is BS. But actually it has implications, right? in modern in the modern world yeah and yeah there, i mean you know there's like the theistic satanists who legit believe in in the devil and worship the devil um and then there's like the satanists like the temple of satan or satanic temple or church of satan who would say well no they're atheists they just call themselves satanist for whatever reason but they don't typically believe in a theistic type satanist uh, satan um but it's like, well, from my perspective, it doesn't matter. Like you're a Satanist, like a theistic Satanist, whether you want to admit it or not, because, you know, if I'm right, like if Christianity is right, I believe there is a literal being that is Satan. So from where I stand, it doesn't matter if you believe that or not. Um, if you're not a Christian, you're doing his will. <laughs> so you can say, well, you know, I you don't believe in a theistic Satanist but you're still doing his will and the theistic Satan believes in you. So yeah, that's what I would think. So no matter how they want to present it, like, no, I'm just a Satanist politically because, you know, equal rights or something like that. I'm like, okay, well you can say that, but you're doing the will of the dark one. Yeah. That's actually scary because they have the statue of Bahamut. It's like the dissolution of uh, both genders and what is leading us to. Yeah. 
Yeah, I think many people don't pay attention to words and what they actually mean. And then they're just going unconsciously along with it. And then they have no control of their life, you know, and they think they have control, but they're like addicted to, I don't know, all kind of nonsense, just making them like more selfish and more disconnected from reality. And I mean, that was in in the Levian model, like his, you know, his Levian Satanism. That was the whole thing is do as thou wilt. Like, what sounds more selfish and satanic than that? It's like when you raise children, you know, like uh, if you're going to give everything your child wants, you're just going to end up spoiling them and making them like unable and fit for society. You know, they're going to become just people that they're going to do all works just to for their own benefit, like greed and so on. Instead of like uh, teaching sacrifice and obedience. See you. You have any thoughts on that? Um, yeah, I mean, I I think it's good to make kids work for stuff. Um, so I, I I am in agreement with him. Well, I have a question, Nate, uh, related to kids. Um, what do you think about that Bible passage in the Old Testament that says that parents that love their children should, uh, you know, read them? What do you think yeah, about that? Yeah, spare the rod, spoil the child. I think that is 100% totally, I could not be more in support of that. Even if you don't believe in a God or religion, uh, the parents that want to cry and say, oh, that's mean, that's mean, they should have been spanked as children because they're a monster adult today. So regardless of someone even believes in a God, secularly, we see the benefit for that. And, you know, spare the rod, spoil the child. That also doesn't mean, you know, like break bones and beat the crap out of your kids. Like no one is saying that. Um, so be reasonable, use your head. Um, <clears throat> because, you know, we're also told from like the Christian living, like all throughout the Bible, like obviously, like take two things, right? So like love, respect, treat everyone, you know, uh, like because you have a master in heaven, Jesus. So treat people like you want to be treated, judge, and that's the measure you'll be judged by. So reconcile that with spare the rod, spoil the child. So having what I like to think is a pretty level head on my shoulders, having been a child, now having been a parent and, you know, getting getting older. Um, I can say that, yes, how I would like to be treated. I mean, it's like the golden rule versus the platinum rule, right? So it's like, look, I can say back when I was a child, I would have loved to be treated like give me everything I want. Having the benefit of being older now, I can also say that would have been awful because I would be a freaking monster. Um, and then I look around and see other kids who pretty much got that who are my age now, and they are monsters. I also look at uh, other families who, who have children. And they get everything they want, and they are monsters in the making. I see this all around me versus I see other parents who, you know, they don't beat their kids. No one's calling child protective services. They're not bruising. They're not breaking bones. But they will do very, very strong, like, you know, timeouts. Uh, they, they won't reason to be like, oh, they won't bargain. They won't negotiate. They won't be like, oh, just do this. We'll give you so. They're like, listen, I'm the parent. My job is not to make you like me. My job is to make you, you know, is to keep you safe and to guide you and make you the best adult I can. And if that includes like, you know, a slap on the butt at sometimes, uh, you know, the not sparing the rod, um, you can also see how these people's kids behave. And it's a whole lot better than the people whose moms are like negotiating, like begging, pleading, not disciplining them at all. And it's like, wow, your kids, and you know, as an independent observer, like I have my own way I raise my kids, um, but just as an independent observer, watching these groups of people, because I, I live in a place there's tons of kids everywhere. So the ones who are not necessarily spared the rod, 
they are on the way to being what we consider a good, well-adjusted human. The ones that are spared the rod, um, they're going to be a nightmare. And they already are. Like, you know, when, it, when I first moved to my area, um, like seven years ago, there was this kid who was very young at the time. And he was uh, probably like nine or 10 uh, when I met him, or maybe eight. <clears throat> and uh, his parents, um, they were like, they were respectable, good, like level head on their shoulders. Like they weren't monsters. So their parents probably disciplined them growing up, but they would let their kid get away with anything. Like they would never discipline. And I just sat there and like shocked. I'm like, how are you not going to correct that? Like he'd be pulling his mom's hair, like kicking, like, I don't want to go. I don't want to go. And she'd just be like, Oh, come on, come on. And he'd be like, no. I'm like, what the heck am I watching? Um, anyway, no, and now that kid, with... well, hang on, hang on. So now that kid is six or seven years older. So they're very much a teenager and they already have surprise, a juvenile record. Uh, it, yeah, stuff will come right to you. Uh, but they already have a juvenile record. The cops are constantly at their house because he's like breaking windows, like, you know, throwing nails in highways, trying to pop people's cars. Like the kid is a freaking nightmare. So there you go. Uh, I know you want to say something. Jen, Steph had her hand raised. Steph, what's up? Sorry, I got my little tirade. But yeah, don't spare the rod or you'll spoil the child. What's up, Steph? Yes, I agree with all of that. But the rod was not for beating the sheep. It was a hooked stick that was for guiding them and changing their direction, sometimes forcefully. But I think when a lot of people quote the spare the rod, they think it refers to like physical discipline, but it doesn't. It's a reference to guidance. I agree with that. I no. think it can. I think it can. Well, it's not correct. I think oh, okay. Chris is going to say what I'm going to say. I was going to say yeah. I can, whatever I said, I can get with that. I would also say it can definitely include that. Like I believe like my, my uh, middle ages sheep herding is off, but I believe sometimes like, you know, the, the Jesus like goes and gets the 99. I am pretty sure what I'm about to say is accurate, that if a sheep would wander away too many times and get in danger and the shepherd had to go get it. And it was like, you know, caught in a crevice or in danger or something. I'm pretty sure I remember like the shepherd would actually break the leg of the sheep. Uh, so it couldn't wander off. And you think how evil was that? But it saves the sheep's life. It doesn't wander off. The shepherd may have to take an undue burden of carrying the sheep around for a while, but that sheep's not going to wander off again. Uh, Chris, you were so the next thing. Something. My preacher, we, we just, he just preached on Psalm 23 this week. Thy rod right? and thy staff, <laughs> they comfort me. They are two separate instruments. One is the, is exactly what Steph is talking about. It's the shepherd's crook where they would grab them around the neck. They could get them out of pits. Like they, they could do the shepherd's crook was like the, the Ron Popeil device of the ancient world could do all kinds of stuff. Uh, the rod was a weapon specifically for fighting off predators um, as well as um, correcting the sheep. So there was two separate instru instruments that were used by shepherds. Yeah, the, the staff is like Mary Bo Peep and her little sheep, right? Like all kind and gentle, leading them around the flocks of field. Uh, but yeah, like that, that's that is right, Chris. Yeah, the rod was like straight up to like beat off wolves or whatever. Anyways, not saying, you know, your kid is a wolf and beat your kid, but what do you think about that stuff? Would you like to respond? I mean, I think we all pretty much agree. Like, we're really close to agreeing. One may just be like, if agreeing is in the middle, like Steph's a little to, a little to the one way and Chris is a little the other and I'm a little the other, but we're, we're all hovering very, very close around that center point of agreement. Steph. Uh, yeah, no, I got, I'm bowing out. Oh. Um. Yeah, so I, I just wanted to give some data around hit this. There is a, a needle you can thread here that's in between, which is basically 
It is better to discipline. However, it is important that the parent is not angry and is not out of control. So how you discipline and your state of mind doing that shows up very important in the child's development. Hey, I got a question. What about when the Lord would get angry and kill uh, the Israelites for their uh, sins? Is that chastening? Is that the ride on them? He is the potter. We are the clay. Right. So he beats them, right? As a good father does his son, right? Well, yeah, I mean, the Bible talks Killing about Killing somebody uh, is pretty much the end of the discipline, though, right? Well, yeah, I mean, I, mean, call, I think the better... He called, it, he called it chastisement. Well, I think the better place to talk about the Lord discipline is the Bible verse that actually says, the Lord disciplines those who he loves. Right. That's my point. So, uh, you know, man, get the kid children in order, man. I'm not saying kill them. That's ridiculous. Uh, yeah, don't do that. <laughs> yeah, because enough of us have been killed already. Um, so we don't need nobody else killing us all, all around. So, but we got to be honest, man. You got to beat these, these children, man. The Bible says it, it'll actually save their soul from hell. So if you want your children going to hell, just... Don't obey the Bible. Don't obey the uh, instructions from the ancient Israelites and just let your kids do whatever they want to. Um, I, well, I take issue I, when you say beat. It is yeah, I think I may agree in spirit, but I would definitely uh, use a different word. Because, again, whenever you think beat, I mean, you know, words have meaning. So, um, yeah, I, I think the kind of what we're talking about, right? Like, you, if I'm going to, like, beat someone, um, I'm, I'm thinking, you know, black and blue, maybe something cracked, maybe something broken um, versus, you know, a godly discipline would be, you know, anywhere from like a strong timeout, stern words, disciplinary approach, uh, I don't know, make them do some push-ups, up to and including corporal punishment, but that's not going to be like, uh, let me spank your butt, and then they end up on like in the emergency room. Like, no, that's that's not what, I don't, I don't think anyone can make a case that they would be doing that in some sort of loving way. That, that would be kind of bordering on, someone said like, out, a CEO said it, like out of control. Right. Like if you if you're not in control of your emotions, if you're like rage filled or something and you're you know, that's not like a godly place at all versus like, well, I'm not, you I'm did not wrong. Saying, I, I think I get what you mean. Yeah, I I'm, hope not I saying, get what you mean. I'm not saying beat them like Toby was beating on roots. Right. I'm not saying beat. Them I, like I get that. what you're saying. Right. But the Bible says this plan is day in Proverbs 23 and 14. And if you don't like this word, that's up to you. It says thou shalt beat them with the rod. Matter of fact, let's go up a little bit. It says withhold not correction from the child. For if thou beatest him, Proverbs twenty three thirteen. For if thou beatest him with the rod, he shall not die. You see that? If you beat him with a rod, he ain't gonna die. It says, "Thou shalt beat him with the rod." Beat him with the rod. Wait, Proverbs and thirteen and what? Twenty three and verse thirteen. Thou shalt beat him with the rod, and shall deliver his soul from hell. So if I don't want my kids to, I know, I know somebody said they got a problem with the word beat. Well, God don't, you know. Well, well um, hang, hang on, I'm, you, you're going through it too quick. I thought you said Proverbs 13. Proverbs. No, I, Proverbs 23, verse 13. Okay, I got it backwards. And verse 14. So you got, you know, that's what the Bible says, man. It just says beat them. I know brothers want to go to other translations and try to soften it up. But the Bible just says beat them. And if you're correcting your children with a bell or other method, right? Not a whip like we was beat with. But just you correcting your children. Then you beating them, and you ain't gonna save your soul from here. I don't see any issue, especially. Yeah, real quick, let me just, you know, let's just be accurate. So you know, I, I use the ESV, and it says strike, but you know, let's just beat, let's just. If yeah. I look up, if I look up the word strike, is this one yeah, of the synonyms going to be beat? I don't know. That's what I'm doing right now. All right, let's see. So let's see what it says. All right, 
Uh, are we? And, and by right, the way, we, not, okay, last, last, not, last point, Nathan, you got it. Are we? Are we dismissing the KJV as invalid now because it says the word beat? No. Okay. I just good. want to see what it actually says. All right. So I'll read it. I mean, Strong's Concordance goes off the KJV. So, um, so you know, the KJV is how you got to do Strong's. I mean, I think they have another alternative, but like KJV is just how it is for me. So withhold not corrections from the child, for if thou beatest him with the rod, he shall not die. Uh, okay, so let's see. Hold not if thou beatest him. Five two two one. Uh, Naka, how do you say that? Naka, Nakay. Uh, okay, and that word means. Uh, let's see. To strike, smite, hit, and then it gets to beat. Um, and then let's see. Receiving a blow. And yeah, so like it starts, it starts little and goes all the way. So like to beatest thou or to beatest him or whatever, it's the phrase. And the long and short is it includes everything. So it can be used and it starts gently. So, so like the, if you're familiar with Strong's, it has like A, B, C, like subsets. So the most likely all the way up into what it can mean, but doesn't really mean in this context. So the first one is to strike, smite, hit, and then it gets to beat. So whenever we're talking about beat, that's what we mean, which is, is also what you're saying. Like the way you described it, that's what we're saying. Like no one's getting broken. No one's getting killed. No one's getting like broken arms and stuff like that. You're just striking them like what people would call corporal punishment today. But then other words that it can mean as you get really far away from what it means here goes up to slay and kill. And I know that you wouldn't even say that, right? Because you say beat, which is right in the middle. So right. anyways, that's, that's the most appropriate. Yeah, so uh, yeah, so the most appropriate word this is translated to is strike, then beat. smite, then hit, then beat, and then further but, down the list is slay and kill. Uh, and no one thinks it means that. Hold on, man. You're going too far, Nate. Uh, to strike someone is to beat them. If you're in a fight, you can say equally, he struck him or he, he beat him. Either way, and they're equal. There's no... And you know what's crazy? Kind of what you're doing is kind of what the uh, Rainbow Plus community does with the words. We don't want to use that word. We don't want to say this word because it's offensive. Instead of just telling the truth, man. Like, when did Christianity get so soft? Now, hang on. Now, hang on. Uh, well, I'm about to show you how not soft it is because what I said is the scholarship of it. So I, I said it. I said it can include slay and kill, right? But if you want to be accurate, that's further down the list, and that's not what the meaning of this passage is. So if you find some other place in the Bible where, it's, where it uses that naga or whatever that word was, where it uses that, and it talks about, you know, the Philistines were, were beaten that day. And you're like, what? They weren't beaten. They were, they were killed. The story says, like, you know, their heads were on pikes or something. And then you go back and read, and that naga or whatever that word is, that would say, instead of saying strike, smite, beat, slay, kill, it would say kill, slay, beat, strike, smite. Meaning that the farthest away from beat in that context is a strike or a beating. They straight up slayed them. That's the more appropriate term for that context. You get what I'm saying? So there's no reason to sugarcoat it. I just want to be accurate to what the Bible says. So, you know, when we take the KJV and it says beat or the ESV and it says strike, well, let's find out what that word actually means as close to the original. And when it talks about spare the rod, spoil the child, the closest you get is strike. If it talks about beating someone else in battle where everyone dies, then that word is going to mean slay or kill. So there's no reason to be soft. Um, my only goal is to be accurate. And I I mean, you're saying the same thing. It sounds like everyone else is. Yeah, beat them. And we've clarified it. Well, look, here's, there's a semantic range of meaning to words. 
in the modern American vernacular and context, the word beat has a different connotation than spank. And the word beat had a different meaning in, 16, in the 1600s, okay, in English. And so what we have to do is what is the most accurate version or the most accurate word that would describe the mind of a modern American person in 2023? That word is not beat because that connotation of the word beat in 2023 is like somebody getting a beat down. That is not what we're talking about here. Um, we're talking about a very mild word meaning to strike. Uh, so because that is within the original semantic range of meaning of the Hebrew. And so what we want to do is we want to match the Hebrew to our modern English vocabulary. And the best word to do that with is the word strike, which is what the LSB uses. Again, the KJV was a fine translation for its time, but it is trash these days to try to study the Bible with it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. People say that, but they haven't written another translation to prove themselves. Shout out to the people who actually take their time to rewrite a translation or revise one instead of just criticize. So, uh, so I was right. Yeah, I was man, watching. Let me, let me finish. Chris, on a yeah, let me finish, Chris. I'll let you finish, finish, bro. You? Chris, Chris, I'll let you finish. Like, are you serious? Yeah, I'll let you finish. So, so when we say the word beat, right? Uh, I watched a couple boxing matches recently, and those guys got beat. They got struck all through the match. A beat down, but more so. Like you're trying to say was with fists, but the Bible does not imply to beat them with your fists. It actually says beat them with the rod. So uh, if you're going to get beat with a rod, it's not fist. So that beat down is not even the same context in 2023. You're taking it too far to the left, Chris. But wait, so, what, what you just said, you what you just, wait, 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 what, hang on. What, what you just, what well, yeah, we're done because we're all just, we're all just. Yeah, yeah, I would love, you know, wait, wait, I would, I would wait, love wait, to finish, wait, wait. but it's okay. Well, you're talking a lot, but you made yeah, a I'm, point. I'm not talking so, a lot. I just started and you guys cut me off mid-sentence. Okay, well, you're not going to cut off a moderator. But, I mean, we're done with this conversation anyway because there's nowhere else to go. We are beating a dead horse. Do we break a bone? Do we strike it? No, it means it, we're beating a horse. And just like you said, you watch a boxing match, someone got beat. You can say, wow, they got beat because there's blood pouring out of their face and, like, they're all black and blue. But whenever you say, oh, uh, who won that fight last night? You'll say, oh, you know, Tyson beat Holyfield. Like, you could say he beat him physically, but generally people want to know who won the match. So I'm going to say, oh, this guy beat that guy. They may not even mean physically beat them up. Maybe it was a draw. Maybe they didn't didn't even like when Mayweather fights, how he didn't. The guy looks perfect because he hits like a feather duster. So he didn't even physically beat him, yet he beat them, meaning he won. So right there, beating a dead horse, beating someone physically or beating someone, meaning they won. That's three different uses of the word beat right there. Anyways, uh, CEO, make your final point, and then we're going to move on. Yeah, to I, something just, else. I don't like when people play. Uh, uh, CEO. Yeah, I, I, I don't like when people play word games like he did because, I mean, a hundred years ago, gay legitimately meant happy. But, you know, Nate, today, if you seem happy, I want to be like, Nate, you seem very gay today. So we do change <laughs> words and we're meaning. You'd get gays in shock. I think he was a King, King James onlyist. Uh, it sounds that way. We'll never know. No, he's a, um, he's a Chris, Hebrew you were saying. He's a well, he's a well known Hebrew Israelite. Uh, Todd, you were saying something. What's up, Todd? Welcome. Nothing. I was just throwing in a little jab there. After he said that about gay, I said, you'd get beat or struck. <laughs> Talking about uh, the rod. So uh, my friend was like, Joey moved to Uruguay. And I'm like, what? 
No, you're gay. <laughs> We're all gay. Uh-huh. Yo, Nate, I have like a continuation to that question. Can you help me understand like Deuteronomy 21 from verse 18? Is this going to be if you beat a slave and he doesn't die, you're all good? That... No, 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 no. It's like uh, <laughs> if your son is drunk, says to stone him to death. Like, can you oh, explain yeah. the context? Yeah, let me. I know what I want to say, but let me just go there. Deuteronomy. Uh, the term is 21, 21, 21, verse 18 till 21. The atheists use it, you know, to bring bad image on the Bible. Oh, they use everything to bring a bad image on the Bible. Uh, uh, sorry, Deuteronomy uh, 23. Watch, uh, verse... No, 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 21, 21, chapter 21. Okay. From uh, verse 18 till 21. Oh, why can I not hear people today? <laughs> okay. Accept atonement. Is this the right one? Deuteronomy 21, verse 8, you said? Uh, no, 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 18. So 21 from verse 18 till 21. Wow, my brain is gone today. Okay. If a man has a stubborn and rebellious son who will not obey the voice of his father or the voice of his mother, and though they disappoint him, he will not listen to them. Then his father and mother shall take hold of him and bring out to the elders of the city at the gate at the place of where he lives. And they shall say to the elders of the city, this is our son. He is stubborn and rebellious. He will not obey our voice. He is a glutton and a drunkard. Then all the men of the city shall stone him to death with stones. So you shall purge the evil from your midst and all Israel shall hear and fear. So as much like we have two clues right here. Um, and they're not clues. They're like right in front of your face for people who, who are not obstinate. This is not little six-year-old Timmy who says, I don't want to eat green beans and carrots. And they're like, ah, we'll stone you then. Like glutton and drunkard. Like this is clearly, um, you know, someone who is an adult who is like bringing shame to his family. And like, just think like a criminal who's constantly like in and out of jail. They despise everyone. They won't take correction. And in addition to glutton and drunkard, how I know this is how I always encourage people to go to the Talmud. So if it is a 613 Levitical law, the only way to have a proper understanding of how this law was applied, who it applies to, and how it was carried out is call a rabbi or take it upon yourself to go read the Talmud. It's free online and dig into this. So we cover th this talking about like, you know, stoning a gluttonous and drunkard son is, uh, let's see, one, two, three, is four verses. So if they think they can read four verses and have a perfect understanding of how evil God is and how, uh, you know, stone age, this type of law is that displays their ignorance. Like you, there would be like pages and pages in the Talmud dedicated specifically to these four verses. Um, so that that's the answer. So it's, it's not talking about a little kid. It's talking about like, uh, you know, an abhorrent son who is an adult who is, is doing all kinds of evils and criminal activity and stuff like that. And my sources are from the Bible, drunken and glutton, glutton, uh, glutton, and from antiquities, read the Talmud. It explains the stuff. Uh, follow up, Jen, and then I know Harold wanted to say something. But Jen, uh, Jen, follow up since you asked the question. Then we'll get to Harold. Um, yeah, I think your point is solid because I think there's like you mentioned the 613 laws, and I think uh, some laws are not explicit enough. And uh, here is where like, the oral tradition of the Jews goes more into details how to keep exactly these commandments. So it's a good point. Yeah, uh, Harold.
What's up, Earl? Hey, peace, y'all. I was just coming uh, on that little note to, to sort of second what Nate was saying. Um, when the Bible is using terms like glutton and drunkard, especially when they're when those terms are put together like that, it's a shorthand way for them to say that this person serves the God of their belly, or in other words, their own desires. They're lustful after their own desires in reference to being a glutton. And then when it's talking about drunkard, it's someone that's typically um, very uh, obscene or unseemly in their behavior and thing, in the way they behave and the way that they speak. Um, so yeah, that that that's just to kind of second what Nate was saying, and I would encourage the brother to go go throughout the uh, the um, particularly probably like Proverbs and the prophets. You will find more language like glutton and drunkard um, when it's used in those in those fashions. But yeah, that's all. Uh, curious, you had a follow up. Or something uh, for clarification. In short, yeah, I, I just sent you an invite in case you wanted to talk about it. But yeah, in short, I mean, the Bible is fine with, yes, what we would call today corporal punishment. Like, yes, not letting your kids run wild and do whatever they want, giving them everything. Yet also not like, you know, bruising, beating, black and blue, breaking arms. Like, no, that's insane. That That's evidence you hate your child and probably yourself. Uh, but yes, like responsible corporal punishment. Like, uh, you know, don't do this. Smack, spank. Don't do that again. Uh, if you'd like to speak or type or anything. And, and, and plus, see, they don't, they, they pull out verses like that, but then they completely omit things such as uh, when a child is left to himself, he brings his mother to shame. Um, you know, they, they leave out verses like how um, you strike the kid with the rod in reference to um, disciplining the child. See, they, lose, they leave things like that and they just make it seem like, oh, it says right here, you know, if the child is acting up, stone him. No, that's not how these things work. <laughs> like, they act like people are just walking around, the Israelites are just walking around with rocks, you know, every every now and again ready to stone somebody. Like, that's not how society worked back then. But anyway, I yield. Uh, Chris, were you, I think you were saying something a little bit ago. Did you have anything? Oh, I was just clarifying your point about, like, if I say the magic beat the calves last night, it doesn't necessarily mean that the magic were, you know, in a fist fight with the Cavaliers and won. Yeah, and for the record, like, you know, uh, um, being charitable to is, uh, Chris, you said it in chat, corporal punishment, yes, beat, no. Uh, the way is was describing beat is corporal punishment. But for whatever reason, he is stuck to that word beat, um, and that that's on him. But yeah, corporal punishment, like what I mean, you know, what ha used to happen like to kids in school 50 years ago, like you know, go to the principal's office, get like three swats for you know, like spitting in someone's hair or like throwing gum in like you know little Jenny's hair. Um, it, so like the principal's not gonna like beat someone to death. They're gonna like get a paddle and give them the swat. I don't even think people use paddles nowadays, right? But that, that's the idea. So something that no one's going to get sued for, no one's going to like go to jail for, like, you know, it's like, yeah, just think like a disciplinarian principle or something like when, when kids used to get spanked. By the way, if they brought that back, goodness, can you imagine what a better world we would probably be living in without like, you know, it's like we would, we would start in like 
you know, elementary school with like the, the principal would like, you know, issue out swats for like chewing gum and spitting and, you know, throw, like fighting and stuff like that. So by the time we got to middle school, we wouldn't have to deal with like rape and stabbings in the bathroom. But no, we don't want that. Unique. Uh, yes, Felix, what's up? Yeah. I mean, uh, yeah yes, are... curious spanking, yes. Spanking, yes. Like violence and broken bones and bruises, no. But spanking like a swat, like, don't do that. Smack. Like, smack on the back of the legs. Uh, yeah, here, or uh, Felix, sorry. Yeah, I was yeah. just oh, going to say that the, the, the Spanish translation in that proverb for beat, it's, uh, it just says punish. It doesn't say beat, it says punish in Spanish. Yeah, and I don't know if you were here, but like we went to the actual words like nega mm -hmm. or something. My, my Uber inflection is not good, but yeah. So, I mean, it starts with like the most appropriate, uh, word for that context is strike. And then it goes to smite and then there's something else. And then it goes to beat, uh, you know, like how, it, how like strongs like descends it down to everything the word can mean, but then what the word in this context most closely means. Uh, sheep, what's up sheep? Yeah, I just want to say, like, during all that, and also um, that, you know, in the Bible, as we see it, uh, with the stoning and the killing, and it's, it has specific things. Like, in the New Testament, Jesus said, uh, he mentioned about the Old Testament, where if a son strikes his parents, that he's supposed to be put down to death. Um, but also, um, they're missing the fact that with those major um, disobedient and major things have major consequences, but also they're forgetting that when Hebrews talk about those, like, discipline your son and all that stuff, we just have to go read in the New Testament where Paul says, you know, Father, do not exasperate your children. So within discipline has its its its, its own, like, uh, measures. Um, and so, like, if you're, it is a natural instinct to think, okay, if I'm going to beat my son, that's not what I mean. It's not beat the heck out of him like the guy was trying to say. It's like, okay, discipline him in a way that is more, um, uh, you know, appropriate to raise him to a society where he's no longer going to be a burden. Um, and, of course, seeing the society in nowadays, he should have understood that. But that, I just want to say that because in Ephesians it says, Fathers, do not exasperate your children, but bring them up in the way of the fearing of the Lord, uh, which is also... Proverbs was talking about where let's, let, uh, my son listen to my words, listen to my teaching, and do not you know reprove your uh, do not take uh, walk away from your mother's discipline or your mother's teaching, and so in all those things, in order to you know make sure that he understood those things, he's gonna follow with the discipline when he does something wrong, and that the scripture used strike, which means discipline, uh, with the well, rod. Yeah, so that's. That's a good point, right? Because people will conveniently ignore like these other things. So they're like, no, it says beat us thou. Therefore, you know, the Bible says kill your children. Ah, evil Bible. Um, but then they ignore things like that. Yeah, like Ephesians 6, 4. And some translations say, you know, don't provoke uh, your children to anger. And, you know, it's like, well, how can you, you know, spank your child and not provoke them to anger? By being a reasonable freaking human. So most times, and, you know, like all my family, all my friends, like whenever we have this conversation – and, you know, I'm a chief example. Like, there are times where, uh, you know, if someone gets uh, gets punished or spanked or corporal discipline or whatever, and it's not warranted, like, 
uh, I don't know, for something that most, most people would say, no, that was not warranted. You know, my, my dad was angry. That was bad. And now I'm angry because that was not, that was not needed versus the reasonable piece that person who's like, you know what? <laughs> I deserve that. Yeah. It wasn't fun getting spanked, but yeah, my, my dad was not out of line. Like I, I needed that. Yeah. I was a jerk. I shouldn't have done that. It was, it was warranted. So, I mean, that, that's it, right? Like, it takes two people to be reasonable under your faith in God. So it's like it requires the disciplinarian, the parent, to not, not overstep their God-given bounds and, you know, to, to discipline when is, what is reasonable and necessary to discipline your child. And it falls to the, you know, the belief in God and your God-given role as a child um, who is focusing on God and presumably trying to be a decent human being, too, um, that whenever they are disciplined, recognize it and do better instead of so it takes two to tango right so responsible discipline versus the disciplinee is like yeah i get why they did that i shouldn't have done that i need to be better and curious uh, in chat you say you don't want to spank your child what about other methods well yeah i mean even as felix spoke like you know the trans the translation is you know sp and it's a proverb right so it doesn't say if your child um does something wrong you are commanded to beat them it's just a proverb that says, if you spare the rod, you will spoil the child. Meaning, if you withhold discipline, you're going to have a demon child like the kid that lives down the road that is now like 15 or 16. And the cops are constantly at their house for like doing legitimate criminal activity because his parents didn't discipline him when he was young. So, yeah, uh, and, that, and that's not uh, anyway. So that's not every case. I'm sure there are kids that are raised by wolves. What will no wolves would discipline them. But, uh, you know, who have little discipline through whatever reason, they turn out okay. Uh, maybe someone else picks up the discipline role, a teacher, a, a neighbor, a grandparent. But So, I mean, it's not a 100%, but the general sentiment is if you withhold discipline, your child is probably going to be spoiled, was definitely going to be spoiled, spoiled, but they may be a monster too. So if, if a stern talking to works, like I do know people who I believe them. They're like, you know, we, we've never spanked our child. And, um, uh, and now their child is like, you know, older and they're getting into like teens and some even in adulthood and they're like i have not once spanked my child but they would also say they do discipline them so if you can talk sternly and say don't do that this is why you did bad don't do that again and the kids eyes are like really big and they're like oh i'm so sorry mommy like that's still discipline so if that works yeah use the least amount of discipline required to get the result so if you can just talk to them gently and it's like okay son do you understand what you did was wrong? Like, yes, daddy, I'm so sorry. It's like, okay, okay, just try to do better next time, okay? You little gentle flower. Um, if that works, great, do that. You don't need anything else. But if you've got someone who like, okay, little Timmy, uh, we need to go now. It's time to go home for dinner. Let's leave the park. And you're like, no, I hate you. And they're like calling their face and like screaming and like spitting on them and pulling their mom's hair. I'm not exaggerating. I see this routinely in like the community I live in. Um, and I just like, I, I like watching from afar. I'm just thinking, oh my gosh, like I, I would love to say something to the parents, but then, you know, they'd try to discipline me. They'd be like, this is not your kid. Why are you doing this? Blah, 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 blah. So I'm like, you know, it, it, anyway, so, so that's, that's the answer. Yeah. Like Britney Spears. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and, and sorry, and also, I just got I jokes today. Add, oh, yeah, I want to add this, right. If you, if you were angry, like at the moment when you are a child, this is, this is the thing with a lot of people that when they talk about spanking, right, they think that's the first option, right, or the first solution. That's not what we're saying or what the Bible is saying. That the spanking should be the last option. Because in Proverbs, 
as as you read throughout, it said, listen to my teaching, listen to did it, did it, did it. He goes on and on and on, and and also like when when you discipline, one uh like I'm 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 having a, a baby soon is my first one, but like I was asking for you know wisdom from a brother in Christ, and I said, how do I discipline my child? Eventually, when you know becomes that point, and the best advice he gave me was, if you're angry at the moment. And, you know, you're going to try to spank that kid. Don't do that. Because you're spanking him out of your anger. You're not trying to discipline him. Then that is abusive. And that's not okay. Because you're trying to, you know, satisfy your anger. But when you discipline the child, it needs to be where it's approval. It needs to be where you can explain to the child what they did. And that is not acceptable. And that is the last result and not the first result. The first one is what Nate said. Talk to him. Say, hey, this is not okay. And some children do listen. <laughs> it's, it's just different kids, you know. It, some children would listen and say, okay, mom uh, or dad, I don't want to, you know, disappoint you. I want to do better next time. But some children, they won't go, they won't budge until they get that first lick of that uh, spank. And and once they understand that, oh, this is going to consequence, this is going to, you know, uh, get the result of my uh, action out there in the world, but worse. And so I think it has a place and a time for discipline. And if you're doing it, it with anger, don't do it, please. <laughs> then that's well, a yeah, or, or wait. Like, no, I mean, you know, if you're, well, first of all, I mean, if you're like seething with rage, I mean, man, I don't know. Maybe show this. I mean, I, I get it sometimes. But I mean, you know, yeah, don't, yeah, like don't discipline while you're angry. Like, that's just the recipe for a bad, a bad thing. Um, so, you know, take a breath, calm down, make sure you're disciplined from love not rage. Um, but since you're, and the funny thing, it's like a paradox almost, right? Or it's paradoxical because in doing this, like taking this approach, the result is the times you actually have to discipline your child. And, and my experience, like my, my anecdotal experience myself, like other people that I know personally. So, you know, this is me and the group of people I know that we talk about this. The result is you have to discipline very little. So it's like, you know, whenever we started, like my wife and I talked and, you know, she doesn't agree at all, <laughs> but, uh, you know, I'm, I'm the primary caregiver, uh, you know, cause I work from home. So I, I raise these kids, like while I'm working, they're right next to me, you know, from the time they were babies, like in their little carriage, crawling around, playing in their playpen. So, so I'm, I'm Mr. Mama anyway. So, uh, my, my wife and I, you know, she wants to take very, very much the, the approach I'm kind of talking against, <laughs> um, but I'm the primary caregiver. So anyways, as a result, um, whenever there was a problem, like whenever there was discipline, and most of the time it's just like if you're matter of fact, like approach people, you don't have to tell someone, for example, like uh, peas, like mashed up peas and baby food. You don't have to tell them it's bad. You don't have to tell them like you don't have to give them cookies at eight months old when they don't know what a cookie is. They've never had sugar in their life. So it's like, why would we introduce these things? I'm getting off topic, but like my, my, my wife, love you, honey would introduce like i think a cupcake to a kid when they were like just over like maybe like one or one and a half at a at their first birthday party and i thought well i get it but on the other hand they don't get it they have no idea what this thing called sugar and cookies and cupcakes are why would we introduce that like right now they love carrots they love peas they love all these vegetables so why would we stop a good thing anyway so it's like when i would feed them i wasn't like I know you don't like this, but here, open up. Here comes the pee airplane. And then have, have them like, you know, thinking, oh, wow, my dad thinks I, I'm not going to like this. Maybe I shouldn't like it. So a lot of things just matter of fact, if it's like, here's your food, eat that. 
They're like, oh, thank you for feeding me. Versus, ew, I don't like this. I want candy. So, I mean, a lot of things can be solved without discipline. It's just your approach at the beginning. Anyway, so the, the, the point is, whenever they would do a few things wrong, I would tell them no. I'd be like, no, don't do that. Um, you know, when they're like old enough to actually comprehend the meaning and, and the message. Um, and then there would be a few times where they would do something immediately after I would say no. And, you know, I, I mean, I would just go over like with my with my like two fingers, just like pop, just like a little pop on their fat little leg. I'd be like, hey, don't do that. Right. Like how you would like do do like a, a dog and like the dog whisper. Right. Like how no one's like striking a dog. It's not even corporal punishment. You would just be like like kind of tap them in their side to like distract them and be like, hey, don't do that. Stop eating that baby. Stop eating that ball. Like, nope, don't do that. No problem at all. I would do that. So I, I like to think by starting that young and, you know, there was no crying, no nothing. It's like they're they're running over to like pull the cat's tail. I'm like, don't do that. And then they did it again. I'm like, hey, hey, stop it. And they're like, oh. And then it usually would take another time or two. And I'd be like, hey, don't do that. And they'd be like, oh. And then they'd pick up a ball and start playing with the ball. I'm like, great, good job. Play with that ball. So it's happened that way through their whole lives. So the point is, the times I've actually had to use what I would call corporal punishment, like a spank on the butt, um, I don't know, 10? And they're like 11 now? So maybe 10 times in their life? And in the last, like, years, I, I couldn't tell you the last time I've, like, you know, used corporal punishment on my kid. Because now, if I just kind of look at them, I'm like, do not do that. And they don't do it. I'm like, great. Want to go to 7-Eleven to get Icy's? That's probably the worst thing I do to my kids is give them Icy's from 7-Eleven. I'm feeding them sugar. That's, I mean, that's probably the worst thing I do now. I don't know. Yeah, I, I, Nate, I think it's a good point that if you do, if you do that a couple times, just the fear of it happening to them can be a powerful deterrent. You don't even need to use it. And I mean, as a result, like we have a good relationship. Like I, I love my kids, love them to death. I mean, who's not going to say that, right? Um, maybe the one like Iz was talking about where he's like, you know, destroying them in the ring of battle or something. But I mean, you know, most most people are going to say they love their kids. But I mean, legit, like it makes my heart happy. Uh, when I see them like in their community with their friends and stuff like that, and, like, you know, and running around like where there's like 50 kids and, you know, they are getting older now, but, you know, their peers, um, like I wouldn't want any other kid legit, not just because they're my spawn, but because their, their behavior, they're, they're, there's like very few other kids who, who I would say like, I don't know, are, are, more well-behaved and that doesn't mean mine are great i mean there's still a little monster sometimes but i mean compared to like their peers goodness i'm glad i got these two <laughs> for now i mean you know the the upper teen years are coming so maybe i'll regret everything i'm saying maybe i'm setting myself up for for failure um but right now <laughs> it's a good thing you know on this note um how would you say it says in the bible like to raise in faith in fear and trembling and the Old Testament says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. What, what the Bible does mean by fear? Because in like uh, some modernists, they would see that and say like, oh, why is not in love? Uh, well, I'm, yeah, that's a good point. I'm, I'm away from my uh, strongs at the moment, but I mean, I've, I've, we've looked at this enough. I, I can tell if you trust my memory, uh, what it means. So yes, you've got like, there's two meanings. So one is legit fear, right? Like fear and trembling. Like when the angels show up and they like fall as their feet is dead and they're like, ah, I'm scared, I'm scared. And the angels have to tell them, do not be afraid. And that's just an angel, that's not even God. 
So if you're not in Christ, if you're not redeemed in Christ, yeah, you need to, you're going to be in fear of this God, like that type of fear. If you are in Christ, uh, you know, there's no fear. God has not given us a spirit of fear, but a power of love and a sound mind. So yes, it, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, meaning that if you recognize that there is a omnipotent, sovereign God that created everything and has the power to just like it eternally decimate you, that's a really awe-inducing thing. And you're like, wow. So it's like, once you understand that, you're like, yes, I am not my own God. The energy of the tree outside is not its own God. There is a real God, and it is to be feared in that way. That's where wisdom starts. And if, if you are not redeemed by this God and reconciled to this God, then yes, you should have that type of fear forever. Um, if you are redeemed, because God says, you know, the Bible says God hasn't given us a spirit of fear, but a power of love and a sound mind, then it's keeping in mind that you, you need to be awestruck and respectful, like this reverential type fear. That's what that means, because you don't need to fear God, like, you know, punishing you eternally, because you are redeemed. You're, you've been given the right to be called sons and daughters of God. So even though we're told God disciplines those who he loves, God can still discipline us, but God's not going to leave us black and blue and broken like, you know, the is guy was talking about earlier with his kids, maybe, um, or, you know, whatever he was saying about that. So we don't need to fe fear the way the rest of the world fears, because that's never going to be in our end result. We are loved by this God, but we should still have this healthy respect and reverence, that type of fear, because if we weren't redeemed by God, that would be the position we're in. So, yes, if you're in Christ, then fear, awe, uh, awe and reverence is what that fear means. By the way, well, I just did it. Like, I've, side note, I've disciplined my dog enough that he was just trying to chew on a pillow. I just walked in here and he was like starting to nibble on it again. And I don't know if you heard, but I snapped. I'm just like, hey. And he looks at me and now he's like eating his toy. I'm like, good job, puppy. I didn't have to beat him. I didn't have to do anything to him. I just snapped because I've raised him from a little puppy to not eat our pillows. So he was starting to nibble. I'm like, hey, don't do that. <laughs> Sorry, going, Jin. Yeah, so I was thinking, but uh, <clears throat> it's like using a negative uh, emotions for, for good, right? Like to bring up respect, you know, because nowadays in the Western world, they, they, they're, they're mocking Jesus with this um, pride Jesus. I've seen it even here in Preston, which is quite disappointing because you see Muslims, they will never be allowed to be, to be mocked, you know. But for some reason, Christians are always mocked and I don't know. Yeah, th that's because we're commanded to love our enemy, where in Islam, you're supposed to behead them. So, I mean, there's a difference there. <laughs> Big difference. Uh, but but what they, I think what, what Nate was saying, it's, it's really good because um, Jesus said that as believers were his brothers and sisters. Um, and, and so, like, he, he even talks about, like, if you are like mine, you're no longer a slave, but you are, right? You are a uh, brother and sister because that way you have inheritance with me. And so that fear of the Lord is actually a, a genuine fear of saying, oh, this is me as a human being. And there's a God who loves me greater than me that I need to serve him, love him and do the things that he commanded me to do. Just like if my dad was to, you know, like uh, to spank me, 
and say, hey, son, don't do this. I'm, when I'm fearing my dad, I'm not saying he's going to kill me, but I have fear for him because I know I'm going to have that much respect for my dad. And the same way God says, I'm your, you know, you are my child and that he's our father. So we have a father-son relationship. But if you're outside of that, you don't have a father-son relationship and therefore be prepared to, to, to face the wrath of God. Uh, but with that kind of, uh, with the, you know, uh, Westerns, you know, Christians are allowing this, uh, Muslims are not. Uh, I, I wouldn't say that because if, if you are, uh, there are many, you know, mosques that are uh, gay mosques in Canada and other places. They're mocking Muhammad too, that in the West, in the West, they can't do nothing about it because it's a free country. But if they were to do that in, you know, uh, Middle East and all that stuff, they'd be beheaded or killed and stuff like that. So they wouldn't be dope. So it's, it's just a matter of, you know, laws and regulations. And we're not going to do that to a non-believer because that's not what we're committed to do. Yeah, it's pretty cool. But it seems like Christianity is giving you choice, you know, to choose God or not. So you're not forced, really. Exactly. It's it's a personal responsibility, not not a forced account. You know, we're, Jesus said, I'm not going to force you to come to me. Right. You either serve money uh, or me or you serve the other God or me. You don't you can't serve both. So Jesus, in that concept, when he was talking to them, he even gives them an option. Just don't come to me if you're going to worship other gods. Don't put two one feet in my side and another feet in the other side. Rather, you either come to me or go away from me. <laughs> and so, yes, from the beginning, it is a choice. Uh, and also it says, love your enemy and do good to those who persecute you and pray for them. And so absolutely it's a choice. Whereas in Islam, you know, there is no choice. You're either forced to become a Muslim or you don't become a Muslim. So, uh, Chris, are you speaking or are you like crawling, crawling around in people's attics running wires? Okay, the wire thing. How about you, Todd? All right. Anyone else? Um, I, I just do want to point out, I'm not in love with this idea of classifying the entire Middle East like every country there is exactly the same. I think we need to use a little bit more nuance for who is making those points because the countries are very different. Uh, oh, that's Victoria says absolutely. we can run a... Uh, yeah, Victoria says Chris and I could run a, a daddy daycare from the AAC experience. I'll, I'll say sure we could, but man, I don't want to deal with any more kids. <laughs> um, person without a name. What's that person without a name? Skull with a red hat thing. Good morning. Um, I, I was just listening and um, I don't know. Um, I, I was just thinking like... Um, and this might be a little bit off topic, but maybe it's, it's kind of related. But um, I, I think maybe I'm starting to get it that like, like Christianity is like, like we're God's sheep and he's the shepherd. And there's times when we have a shepherd, maybe somebody like a father and he's kind of supposed to be following in the way of God and like I hope I'm making sense but we're all sheep on some level and then there's like a shepherd above us and 
we're supposed to follow that person because that person is following God. Am I getting this right? Um, so in the biggest sense, we are sheep. Jesus is the shepherd. So we right, follow Jesus. Right, right, Yeah, yeah. But like, suppose right. we had like our father or something like that. Like we, we would defer to him because he's deferring to Jesus. So he's like, like he's like the manager. He's like the assistant manager. And Jesus is like the main manager. I, I mean, maybe, maybe I'm off. Yeah, well, no, you're not, no. you're not off. You're, you're not off, but it, yeah. So there, I mean, there would be some caveats. So ultimately our relationship is with, between us and God. So like, that's it. That being said, yes. Like, you know, we, we should follow, you know, our earthly parents, honor your father and mother. So your days will be long upon the earth. And then we have like pastors and like the church structure who, you know, our pastor is like the shepherd of the flock and things like that. Um, so yes, that, that would be like the right way for like, you know, a spiritual type authority. Um, and I hope that makes sense. So that means as long as everyone is aligned with Christ, like, you know, if you need counseling or, you know, if it's something about raising kids or something like that, like, you know, you go to your earthly parents who, who you honor and stuff like that and respect, and you look up to them, you follow their example. They hopefully have taught you well. Um, you know, if it's in a church setting or something like that, you need marriage counseling, you need, I, I don't know, stuff like that. You go to your to your pastor, who is like the shepherd of God's of God's church, that local body. So you would go ask them for their godly wisdom. Uh, but ultimately, um, the relationship is between us and Jesus. So we can't say, well, my parents told me this, and that's why I did that. So it's not my fault. Or, you know, my pastor told me to do this, and it's not it's not our fault. Uh, no, like our, our ultimate authority is Jesus. So we get godly advice, um, things like that. But it's really up to us, ultimately. So if we say, you know, um, I've sinned, what do I do? And, you know, a preacher gives very bad, ungodly advice. Well, no, reject that and do what the Bible says and go find yourself another church. I hope that makes sense. So, yes, yeah, there yeah. are other authorities okay. we, we defer to and we follow. Uh, but if they conflict with Scripture with Jesus, who is our ultimate authority, get the heck away from there and go find people who, who align with God. <laughs> Right, I got you. I think he was saying, like, I don't know, you can correct me, but like he's saying, yeah, God is the manager and Jesus is like the sub-manager or something like that. Is that is that what you were saying? No, no, skeleton? no I'm saying like, you know, maybe like, um, like, all right, so like, uh, oftentimes in the Bible, you would read about tribes, right? And, um, you know, every tribe has a leader and that tribe head would be like the shepherd and the people under him were his sheep and then but ultimately even that shepherd is a, a sheep to God. You understand what I'm saying? So it's like many, many and they're supposed to follow in the way of the Lord and um but like for everyday stuff, he's like the guy that you answer to, but he's supposed to answer to someone else. I, I hope I'm making sense. And that's I mean, think... are you applying that Jesus is like, you know, the the sheep or something like that? Or no, no, he's the or, shepherd. Uh, he's the shepherd. He's yeah, the shepherd. I'm sorry, he's the shepherd, but yeah. he's not like, he's, he's not the... the master. He's just like obedient to the Father, right? Yeah. 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 Well, yeah, that's what I was trying to catch because I think he is the master because he's one with God, but at the same time, he's by the will of the Father, right? That he is our shepherd as well. Yeah, that's all. Thanks for uh, helping me sort this out. Thanks again, Nate. <laughs>
Sure, sure. Hey, Nate, what would you say to those Christians that uh, they don't want to go to any church because they see something bad in any church, but their city is filled with churches? I'd say it's an unbiblical approach. I would say if they have a distorted view of the church, they're going to have a hard time getting a correct view of God. And uh, I would say the only thing close to an excuse is if they've like legit tried every church they can reasonably go to. And if every single one of those is wildly heretical, not just like they disagree, but like abhorrent blasphemy, then I would say that's the closest thing to a legit excuse they have. Um, and I don't think I've ever heard an example of that. Um, so that's what I'd say. <laughs> I mean, I'm not going to call them a, not a Christian. I would just say they have a distorted view if that's what they think of the church. Like, I don't need a church. I don't need man. My relationship between us and God. Well, that God that you have a relationship with, uh, you know, talks about having the body of Christ and being part of it. So that God that you have a relationship with encourages you to go to church, uh, be part of the community. And, and it's also like doing life on difficult mode. It's like, why would anyone want to make life harder than it already is? So like going it alone without church, without like, you know, corporate worship, without coming together as like the body of Christ, you're just like throwing yourself out there in like a sea of nothingness. So it's going to make your Christian living just like on difficult mode unnecessarily. What do you say to those Christians that say if you don't speak in tongues, you don't have the Holy Spirit? I would say they need to check themselves. Um, <laughs> yep. But there's, there's, and there, there's a. Also, it's definition of terms. Is how do they define it? So some people would say, I thought you were going to say if they don't speak in tongues, they're not saved. And I'd say no, that's dead wrong. Uh, but if they don't have the Holy Spirit, what do they mean by that, right? Because I know most of these people would agree that um, you know if you're saved, if you're if you've been reborn in Christ, you are sealed by the Holy Spirit. Um, so they wouldn't say like you, you're not saved or not sealed or something like that. These people, not the ones that say you're not saved, who are just everyone thinks they're wrong. But um, they would say, well, you're you're sealed by the Holy Spirit, sure, but you haven't been baptized by, by the Holy Spirit, meaning speaking in tongues. And I'd say, I understand what they're saying, and I actually am kind of sympathetic to that uh, to that train of thought, um, if if that's how they define it, if that's how they describe it. But uh, yeah, at the end of the day, it's it's a split issue. Um, because everyone, everyone in that conversation is saved. But if you're, you know, not speaking in tongues or whatever, I, I do happen to think, you know, that is a thing. But then how we nuance that out? Is that like a prayer language? Is that glossing Galatia? Are they confusing it with a word of knowledge? Like that, that's a whole rat's nest that, you know, usually serves to um, um, divide the body of Christ rather than unite because people will have different opinions about that. And it's not good enough to just say, okay, I disagree. That's your opinion. This is mine. They like to fight about that, and that's not good on either side. And, and they're missing the fact, well, uh, a lot of the times I try to bring them in Corinthians where Paul says that all gifts are given by God and are reproval and are very important. Like it's, he talks about it like the body part, right? So the leg without, you know, if you don't have the leg, you're going to need the leg. You're, you're, you're going to even need the, the, you know, your your fingers. And so in that term, then all gifts are from the Holy Spirit and given by God. So tongue is not that special. If you read all the, all the gifts of the Holy Spirit, 
are each of those are very important to build the body and so it's not just one so those people who do that say those things which i've have around to them uh, like just go read corinthians and paul is telling you <laughs> you're not that special if you speak in tongues and even if you do you're, you, when you speak in tongues, you're supposed to have translator if you're going to speak it in, uh, in public. So either way, it doesn't really you know, apply to anything. It's not building up the body if you're speaking in a church and nobody understands it. Therefore, it has no meaning to it other than, you know, oh, you speak in tongues, great. But other yeah. gifts are actually more important and higher than speaking in tongues uh, because the <laughs> people are able to understand, like prophecy, preaching, uh, serving, and all those things. And so it, it just depends, like, what you say, you t who you talk to, and just point them to Corinthians and Paul. And if you don't have love, you're nothing. You're just a clinging gong. And for the denomination, uh, I'm, I'm non-denominational. I have a Pentecostal background. Um, that's all fine. I think I do fine in most, like, mainstream denominations. But, yeah, for myself, I just non-denominational. Try to focus on keeping the main thing the main thing. You know, before I, I also like... I also like the fact that he says that the tongues is not a sign for the believers. It's for the disbelievers. And, and as, as the, some Pentecostals like to make it a sign that, uh, oh, that person has the Holy Spirit. You know what I mean? It, and we're making it a sign for the believers. And, and Paul strictly speaks against that. It's not, it's not for that. And, and he said, like, if, if somebody comes in our church and they're unlearned and they see us all blabbering, they're going to think we're mad. And a lot of people, that's what they think the Pentecostals are, are crazy. And so <laughs> the Corinthian letters, I, I believe, are strictly like to that church. And so <laughs> I don't know. Uh, Michael, welcome. Do you see the PTR I have? That's the encounter I had with Nature's Wildlife over the weekend. I, I saw I didn't get a chance to look at it closely because I'm just driving, but I did see it. I can tell that it's a black snake of some kind. Um, and yeah, like I feel like I need a weekend for my weekend. Uh, just give me uh, just give me two seconds. I'll be back. Sure, sure. Uh, Jen, what were you saying? Yes, I want I wanted to ask um, what are the best sources for apologetics? Where where did you learn to defend the faith? This is gonna sound uh, a certain kind of way, but <laughs> the Bible. Um, really, that's, I, I mean, that, that's it. Like, I, I guess I've just kind of, I don't know, over, over the years, just like picked up stuff other people have said or whatever, but I mean, real, really the answer is the Bible. Like, that's the whole thing. Like I, I, I never, I just kind of stumbled into this. Like I, I, you know, I, I've been a Christian for a long time. I was raised in the church. So I, I had a foundational knowledge, you know, I've read the Bible, uh, stuff like that. I knew what I believed and why I believed it, but I've never really had like, debates or discussions back and forth with people so whenever i kind of wandered into an atheist religious discussion one day um i just got pelted with all these questions and you know i i just answered them i'm like this is what i think this is what i think so um and you know i'd use the bible for a reference point i'm like this is what the bible says this is what i happen to believe um but it was really just kind of like a common sense like not a lot of explanation needed and I would just be like, look, here's the Bible verse. Here's why it makes sense. Here is why, um, you know, here is why, like, for example, like that, that once came up like a million times about, you know, here's a disrespectful kid. See, the Bible says you need to, to kill your child. Um, I'm like, well, no. And they're like, why do you think that? I'm like, let's just read it. So we would just read it. I'm like, look, it's a drunken and a glutton. That doesn't describe many six-year-olds I know. It's clearly talking about an adult. 
Uh, and then over over the years, like I would just like you know, especially around the laws, like the six hundred thirteen laws. That's the only place I think really requires a lot of like scholarship type stuff, which also has little to nothing to do with the Bible, um, because these are laws for the Israelites. Which, by the way, that tells us. Like they're like, how do you know these laws are for the Israelites? And like Leviticus, like twenty three or I don't know, somewhere in Leviticus, it specifically says God gave these laws for the Israelites. Um, <laughs> so I mean, that's why I think that because the Bible says that. So then, as far as how you interpret the law, um, you you read the Talmud. So that's that's really the only scholarship I, I think I I've really looked into, um, just to pike it off on the Jewish people because it's their law. They know how to interpret it. Whether you agree or not, if you just try to read it in Leviticus, you're going to have a very warped understanding of how it's applied. Go to the people whose law it actually is. But yeah, for just general apologetics, I read I read the Bible and it answers itself most of the time. You you're, you got a lot of feedback. Could you mute? But but yeah, usually most questions will be answered in context. So if someone says, "Here's a chapter, here's a verse, here's the problem. What what? How do you answer this problem?" Just start reading from the beginning of the chapter. Like, it is amazing how many times it will give the answer in that chapter, like, leading up to it. Almost like God wrote it. <laughs> I mean, I understand that, like, uh, Christians are not uh, required to keep the ceremonial laws, but I don't understand why Seventh-day Adventists say that we shouldn't eat pork and we should keep the Sabbath, you know. I mean, they're using the Bible, right? Well, you would think, but, I mean, if they read the Bible, I mean... They would find the part where, you know, it's not what goes into a mouth that defiles people, but what, what or not, not goes what in their stomach or whatever that defiles a person, but what comes forth from their mouth. So they would see that. They would read, read the part where, you know, Peter saw the vision of uh, all the stuff, and it's like, kill and go eat. Yes, it's talking about Jews and Gentiles, but it's not, not talking about food. So, um, and then Acts 21, it says, look, here's what seems good to us, or Acts 15. Uh, here's what seems good to us and the Holy Spirit. And it's don't drink blood, abstain from food offered to idols, um, abstain from sexual immorality, and you will do well. So that's not a whole lot of rules Christians have to follow, right? Like we're supposed to follow the Spirit and follow Jesus, uh, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, meekness, faithfulness, self-control, these type things. But there's not a whole lot of rules and regulations. So I don't know if the Seventh-day Adventists skip those parts, or I don't know the reason why. But I know when I read the Bible, that's what it says. So, I mean, you know, I can't speak to everyone who, like the Hebrew Israelites, like they say they read the Bible and do what it says, but they clearly don't. And I mean, there's a fair amount of people would say, well, you're just saying that, but, you know, I see it different. It's just a difference of opinion. Well, I guess, but there's some things that it's really hard to get around that. Like when the Bible says something in black and white and it's like, this is the way it is. Well, I mean, that's really not just like a difference of opinion. That's really hard to circumnavigate. It's like the Bible says this, and you're saying the opposite. So I, I can't speak for those people. Yeah, I also don't understand why, like um, modern day Protestant denominations, they, they're not allowed to drink alcohol. I'm not familiar with that. Like I, I know some denominations frown on it, but I can't think of a denomination that would say it's forbidden. Um, I mean, again, what the Bible says is you should not be a drunkard. If you're, like, drunk, that's a sin. Um, but the Bible does not forbid alcohol. So if the Bible says something, follow it. If the Bible doesn't say something, don't say something where it doesn't. Um, but, think, yeah, I mean, I you, you, some... 
Yeah, they, there are some that say that, but they, they wouldn't say don't drink, but they'll just basically excuse it by saying that wine was not alcoholic back then. It was just fermented drink. Uh, but then you take them to the Old Testament and say, uh, well, this guy was drunk and he raped his sister. He. Yeah, don't do that either, by the way. Um, anyway, sorry, I got my it got connected to my truck. But um, so like, yeah, wine was alcoholic and uh, nobody said that you shouldn't, you know, drink it. It said don't get drunk. Uh, like Paul tells Timothy when his stomach was uh, hurting, he tells him to take a sip of wine that, you know, may help him. So, again, uh, people try to misinterpret the scripture, but it's not in the scripture most of the time. So. Just read the Bible like Nate was saying. I think uh, that's the best I mean, option. I mean, at the wedding of Cana, right? It says wine and, uh, oh, you kept the good wine till the end. Or like wine in wineskins. And the Adventists say is grape juice. I'm like... <laughs> yeah, that's funny. Exactly. It's, like, it's like, wow, they, they kept the Welch's sippy cups for kids. They save the best stuff for the, the end. Like, is that what we think? Like, it's like children's grape juice? Of course not. That's ridiculous. I mean, yeah, because it says, right, Sorry. yeah, it says when we get, he said, uh, first they serve us with, you know, the, the bad drink. And after we get drunk, they serve us the good wine. But then the guy said, but you did well because you serve us the good wine first before we got drunk. So anyway, that's that's it. And it's not apple juice or fermented drink. I actually had debates and I was like, my, my brain was hurting, you know. Because it says, it says wine. No, it's grape juice. I'm like, oh my goodness. I just need to leave. I was having a conversation about this one day and gave the same response you did. And someone pointed out that the Bible makes an exception for being drunk when you are grieving. What is your thoughts on that? Uh, you know, I'd want chapter and verse, but I actually, I may have to go after I hear what Michael has to say. Um, but I, I think I do remember something. Well, do you have a chapter and verse? I, I would want to know, first of all, does it really permit it? Or does it just say, like, you know, we get it. <laughs> maybe maybe your threshold for controlling yourself is a little skewed because you're, like, wailing and mourning. Like, does it – I mean, I'm sure it doesn't say it's a good idea. Um, so I, I would want to know exactly what it says. But, I mean, I would say, you know, I'm not going to be super judgmental if, you know, a, a massive tragic experience happens. And someone, you know, has a drink and they cross a line from totally not drunk to maybe a little past the limit. I'm like, well, you know, technically the Bible says you have sinned. Chances are they probably know it. But it's like, you know, I, I mean, maybe point it out. Be like, hey, you know, here, have some cheese fries. Uh, maybe maybe you had a little too much. Or I don't know. Don't compromise your beliefs, right? So maybe um, if they did fall into sin territory, I'm sure, you know, if they're a god fearing Christian, they're going to be aware they're going to regret it. And I'm sure they'll, you know, they'll repent of it and be like, wow, I got away from myself. Oh, sorry. You know, my whole family is slaughtered by pirates. Um, you know, doesn't excuse it. God, I shouldn't have done it. Uh, you know, help me to have better self-control. I mean, I would imagine that's probably how something like that would, would go. Um, yeah. I think I would get drunk if my family was slaughtered by pirates. Um, the verse I mean, says... I, 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 yeah, I mean, well, before you read it, I mean, I, I, I think, I think I would probably push back if they're like, man, my, I got fired, like my job sucks, and you know, my dog died, I'm in mourning, I'm grieving, it's pain. Uh, I don't care about God, I'm gonna get drunk. Yeah, I'm like, whoa, bro, whoa, that seems a little, um, little bit of the wrong maybe attitude there. Uh, maybe you should, maybe you should not do that. Um, but if, yeah, go ahead, read the verse, see you. Yeah, so the verse is, um, 
give strong drink to the one who is perishing and wine to those in bitter distress. Let them drink and forget their poverty and remember their misery no more. I would, I mean, just on its face, you can read drunk into that fairly easy, but you could also not. So, I mean, you know, because we know, like, drunkard is bad. And being drunk, like, it, it states, like, specifically drunk is a sin. Um, but that right there doesn't address drunk. So does that mean if they normally have two drinks of wine and they are far from drunk, give them four? And they're, like, pretty buzzy on the edge of drunk, but still not drunk? So I would, I would say that. There's plenty of gray area to, to wiggle in there and say you're not getting drunk, you're not sinning, and it's not permitting sin. Um, there's, there's a lot of area from totally sober, one drink, to blackout drunk, the pirate thing. That's just my first thought. Could, could it also be rhetorical rather than a suggestion? Like, for example, like uh, kind of saying, you know, I, I guess that's what I'm thinking of, like being rhetorical rather than saying, you know, giving a suggestion of giving a drink to someone rather kind of being like, more uh you know dramatic about okay if this guy's you know wicked or something like that those those are the things that they do but rather puts it in a way that is uh rhetorical like give him a drink of wine or something like because i know like proverbs uses a lot of those terms i don't know you can correct well and there's the larger context i promise this is my filtered water it's nothing nothing else um but there's the larger context like you know if you're if you like just got ran through the sword in the field of battle and uh, it's like, wow, this guy's going to be dead in the next 30, like, you know, 30 minutes or something. Like, he's, he's bleeding out or the next three minutes. It's like, here, buddy, um, go ahead and take this rum and just, you know, just pound it. Like, you're going to be dead before you get drunk anyways. Like, you're, you're a goner. I don't know. Um, something like, yeah, so I think there's lots of examples. But, uh, Michael, you had something to say, and then I am going to have to run, but I would love to hear what you have to say, Michael. Uh, what I was going to say is, you know, if you are going to drink grape juice and drink Welch's, it's probably the best. Um, but uh, I would say you got probably you got probably no excuse. I got through the weekend that I had and I didn't get drunk. So you got nothing to go on. Um, <laughs> <laughs> well, I hope your week is better now. Oh, it's ridiculous. So last week. So the end of the week before last um, my, my boss retired and I was offered his job and like an idiot, I took it. Um, and now, so I had 27 people reporting to me. Now I have 225 people reporting to me. Um, and then we had a data breach on Saturday. Mm. Yeah. So, you know, the personal information of, several hundred miners got, you know, got hacked. So that's super cool. But I didn't get drunk. And, All and I Michael, did since you have games. nine times the responsibility, I'm sure they increased your salary by 900%, correct? Um, yeah, I'm a public servant, so the answer to that is no. <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, I can't complain too much. We've got a spectacular pension, and I'm and I'm very well compensated for what I do. I'm almost on par with my wife now. So that's. Are you going to put in for your boss's job to be the new boss? I, I well, I, I I got the I got the like they they promoted me. Ah. So, yeah, he retired, and now I'm the director of the division. So. 
Nice. We, we were talking about uh, disciplining children earlier. I thought of you. I couldn't remember, um, but I was pretty sure. I'm like, I, I, I'm like, you know, there are people out there who say they've never like, you know, spanked their child at all, and mm. you know, they still accomplish discipline. Um, sure. I couldn't remember. Did you say that's you? Like you've never spanked your child, but your discipline that you did do was effective. So you you didn't just let them get their way and run free. You disciplined them, but it never required a physical touch. Is that correct? Or um, no, I did no, um, no. I I don't think I would have ever said that. I I never physically disciplined my daughter. I did maybe someone else. I did I did once. I gave her one wallop on the butt when she was maybe eight years old. So a long time ago, 18, 18 years ago. Um, and she was just completely out of control. And I did, you know, did it, you know, and I say, I say wallop, you know, I just kind of, you know, it was the only time I'd ever done it. I'd never done it previously. And so what it did was it, it accomplished what I wanted. I still regretted it afterwards, but it accomplished what I wanted. Basically what it did is it kind of slapped her back into reality for a second. I was like, nope. Cause she just stopped. I think she was so shocked at it. Um, and then we had a conversation. I apologize, blah, blah, blah. But I'd never had prior to that. And I never did, uh, after that. So. Okay. Well, everyone, thanks for being here. Yeah, this is a little bit of a quick day. I think I got an early start though, but, uh, well, Michael, I'm glad your week is looking up and hope all the best for you and everyone else. Thanks for joining. Yeah, cheers, brother. Have a good one, mate. All right, catch you guys later.